0: Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful and honest conversations around Auburn Athletics. Where do, you go? Where do you go? All right, welcome into another Auburn Live show. I'm Justin Hokinson, auburnlive.com if you're not part of the community, please go subscribe auburnlive.com with us on this Monday morning. Is former Auburn quarterback Ben Lear joins us always. We do the Monday morning quarterback. Ben, what's up, man?
1: Oh, what's happening, buddy? I'm glad it's uh glad it's football season again. Glad to be doing this, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, if you see me like look over with like a face, like don't say anything. It's because my my daughter's in there watching cartoons. <laughs> so if she pops in the door and you see me like, you know, like shh
1: Hey, you, you you say that you say that about your little girl. I mean, obviously I've been there done that even with Marley being a freshman at university. And then the twins are sophomores at Auburn high. So, we, I fully understand that even now at the office, if, if I turn my head, it's because somebody at my office doesn't realize what a closed door. Stands for, and they'll just bust on in so. Yeah, it's uh you you never outgrow for some reason you never outgrow the ability to interrupt something at some point.
0: No, and she's three. I'll give her the yeah. She didn't quite get it, but she deserves like, some grace. Give yeah, her, the, give her yeah, some yeah. grace. So she's in there watching Coco Melon. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Yep. Um, all right, um, we didn't talk to you last week, so let's just kind of get your thoughts, man. Two weeks in, wins over Mercer and San Jose State. Bursar was fine, San Jose State was a struggle, um, which is not a great sign, probably, but Auburn's 2-0 heading into Penn State. What what are some things that you've seen the the first two weeks that uh, stand out good or or bad? Just kind of where are you at with this team two weeks in?
1: Man, um, totally different place today than where I was a week ago. Just... San Jose State, that that game really derailed me, from the standpoint of, man, we Auburn can Auburn can really have a decent run. Obviously, these first five games, a um, lot of concern, lots of concern, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, they, I thought they played well against Mercer. It's it's Mercer. Right, I mean, you, you can't really gauge a whole lot based on their performance offensively and defensively, uh, but it was good to get that, that win under their belt. I mean, everybody everybody ultimately was kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater and, and thinking that the two interceptions from Finley should ultimately lose him the starting position. And basically, because Robbie Ashford can, can do some things athletically that they should you know, indoctrinate him as the starter for the remainder of the of the year. Well, um, in Robbie Ashford's first attempt on Saturday, I think everybody realized real quick why the staff put Finley in the position they put him in. Um, you know, had a wide open landing, King running a corner route uh, off of a little bit of a mesh game with the slot guy and. Unfortunately, Robbie just threw it. I mean, right between the numbers of the defender when Landon was was wide open on that corner ball. And, um, it was it was difficult, but you know, again, first game jitters, great. Second game, I, I think, hopefully, what people will realize and see is that San Jose State is a better ball club than I I believe everyone expected them to be. Even even Auburn's football team, but at the end of the day, it was a second game. They are two and zero. At this point, there's a lot of things for improvement, but they've also done a lot of things well. I, I would I would believe the offensive line. I think is coming around. They're doing a they're doing a, a fair job. They're doing really good jobs in protection. They're doing some good things from a from a run game perspective. Um, but when you look at it top to bottom the the performance they had against mercer i think it was one that everyone felt positive and optimistic coming off of the performance against san jose state uh, all over the field was one that everyone is doubting the ability to beat penn state beat missouri and then obviously lsu comes to town so there's a lot of uh a lot of question marks man a lot of question marks but i think that can be answered, good or bad, based on Saturday's performance against the Nittany Lions.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be really, I think it's going to be a revealing game, obviously. And what's crazy is, you know, as as frustrating as Saturday's game was against San Jose State, I mean, Missouri just got blitzed by Kansas State, right? LSU is, you know, athletic, but like Auburn, still, there's still nothing necessarily... That's changed my viewpoint of Auburn could still start five and zero. Like they, the the nothing's changed in terms of how I look at Penn State, Missouri, and LSU. Penn State's going to be their toughest test probably of those three. Um, let me ask you about the quarterbacks because that's where you, I mean every, that's kind of I mean that's the topic. That's what we're trying to figure out is whether this thing is going to work or not. Um, you know when you when you made the jump you did from '98 to '99 to 2000. Obviously that 2000 team was really good, but you're, you know, you really made 98 to 99, a massive jump in in production. Um, What went into that? And what was it just, was it just maturity? Was it a different offense? Ronnie Daniels helped. Um, But what went into that? And, 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 and is it too, you know, like I look at TJ and how he played, how he started that game and how he finished it. Yeah. And look, I'm I've I've been very critical of TJ Finley. Um, but I do give him credit when it's due. I thought I thought he bounced back and he performed well um at the end of that saying is it really the last three quarters of that game, it was probably post, three quarters of post football. Pick, huh?
1: Post pick TJ is, yeah. is, is is that's the Finley that, that Auburn
0: needs. It, in, it in all probably of the best three quarters of football he's played. Yeah. I mean, he was twelve of fifteen, um, you know, down the stretch, threw a couple of really nice balls. Where is his progression at? Can he do you think he can keep that going? Is it hard to make what kind of jump can you make during the season? I'm just trying to figure out when you look at TJ Finley right now, can you go, Okay, maybe take a little confidence from that, maybe go into the Penn State game. I mean, how much better can he get? During the season, because we're watching him now, he's throwing out three picks in two games, not great, right. but there's some good signs there too. So can he flip a switch in the middle of the year or is what we've seen so far going to kind of be him all year?
1: I So to go back to the your original question regarding me and, yeah. and you know, kind of the, the evolution that I had, fortunately, in 98, man, I just, you know, and, and really – Hearing TJ make the comments that he made before the Mercer game kind of kind of reminded me of some things that I went through um, developmentally, even that long ago. Is is in nineteen ninety eight? Man, I I was I was super immature. I mean, I was had I had no idea truly what went into being successful as an SEC quarterback from a prep preparation standpoint you know, the the time that needed to be devoted to it from a, you know, from a from a game planning schematics, you know, all of those kind of things and really devoting the time that it took to know what was going to be done before it was even called. And and that really obviously in, in my performance in 1998 exhibited how poorly I was prepared. I will say this, that one of the w- along with that, one of the main contributors to my jump in production, I truly believe this is is the change of offense. It one and and again, I I, I pull no I you know I pull no punches when it comes to Jimbo Fisher. His <laughs> offense and his ability to to adapt between quarterbacks is 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 horrendous at best. Uh, you went from you went from a, a a quarterback in Damian Craig, who I truly feel was was light years ahead of his time and one of the best, if not the best quarterback all in all, that's that's been on this campus. Truly from a from a X's and O's perspective and his ability to do things with the ball in his hand and, and really from a leadership perspective as well. But Damian. And I, obviously you you could not have any different quarterbacks and, and he was number one and I was number two. Jimbo's offense in any way, shape, form or fashion did not change. His play calling did not change from 1997 to 1998. And, you know, again, part of that's on me because I, I did not execute the plays that were called, but as a coach you would think that you're seeing a kid that is is so slow you can time him with the sundial (laughs) and his strength is in analysis and understanding secondaries and you know the 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 peyton manning-esque kind of stuff versus the damian craig michael vick cam newton scenario right jimbo made zero adjustments um then jump into 99 tubs gets here. We're playing under coach Mazzoni. And one of the, one of the number one things that I will always remember coach Mazzoni telling us and this, there, there were really two. And he, we did it in the same meeting. We're sitting in a, in a, in a, uh, in a position meeting room and we're going through film and he starts talking about guys. I need you guys to learn and, and understand how I coach. I need you to learn and understand how, how I'm going to, you know, uh, collaborate with you and talk to you, blah, 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 where we went, we had gone from the previous couple of years from absolutely, absolutely getting dog cussed. And, you know, you feel like you're two inches tall and there's, you know, there's your waste. I mean, you're a waste of a scholarship. I mean, you just feel like a, a whipped puppy. Well, Mazzoni's philosophy was two things. One, I as your coach, as your offensive coordinator will never, ever downtrods you in front of your teammates. Your teammates optically are going to see and hear and believe as if you make zero mistakes from a mental standpoint. Your decisions are crisp, accurate, and when you make a play call or when you make an audible or when you make an adjustment, it is the right adjustment at the right time. Because I want them, he, as the offensive coordinator, wanted them to believe everything that I was doing or the quarterback was doing was the right call so that subliminally there's not a doubt in their mind. They're going to go 100%. That was, man, you want to talk about a good feeling to to know that? But he also caveated that and said, listen, guys, that happens on the field. Now, when we come in this position room, gloves are off. <laughs> you know, we're, when we watch the film, and it's just us and our little circle of trust. I'm I'm gonna crawl your ass. You right. know, I'm, I'm gonna coach you hard, which was fine. We we understood we understood the assignment. So that was that was really a, a positive boost to me and the other guys on the you know within the position on the roster. The other thing that once we got, once we got accustomed to the way Coach Mazzoni, you know, handled things and how he coached, he also told us this. He said, "Guys, I want you to do something when you take out your playbooks." And we, I mean, they were—it was a massive playbook with all different varieties of things. And as anybody, any college Division One level offense was, even back in the day, he said, "Here's what I want you to understand: as as the quarterback of this offense," he said the success of this offense is predicated by your ability to make adjustments by your ability to adapt and by your ability to do so quickly. He said, you need to know this offense so well, because as the quarterback of this offense in this league, you have the green light to make any adjustment at any time that you feel necessary, period, no questions asked. So long as you have the right personnel in the game, and you understand that you make whatever audible and adjustment you deem necessary at that given time now i say that that if you make you know you make that adjustment and it doesn't work when you when you come to the sidelines it's, you know it's, you got some explaining to do you know yeah. you 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 have to be able to justify why you did what you did that taught me more about how to play the position than anything I I think I've ever, I've ever encountered because it was situational type things. You know, I'm not going to throw a fade ball on third and one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to change to a different run look and I'm going to give the ball to Rudy Johnson and let him get the first down, live to play another day, you know, make those types of adjustments. And that was really, in, in my opinion, along with my just, intellectual maturity i think that change and that adaptation <clears throat> from a coaching perspective really aided my production in 99 and 2000 now granted i had some guys that could play too i mean i had you know between ronnie and reggie and uh, marcel willis clifton robinson coop i mean i had guys that that really were like me that were starving for some success and then we introduced rudy there in 2000 which Took a huge load off everybody's shoulders, but mm-hmm. you know, in in looking at in looking at TJ, I I still think there's, I still think there, he, he's right on the cusp of of him just breaking out. I mean, he makes some throws. You know, if you look at, I remember watching you know watching Saturday's game, sitting there, and he throws the he throws that ball on the I think it was Johnson that went fully across the middle of the field. Yeah. He throws it right over the head of the defender. <clears throat> really, the it was the ball, it was it was essentially the same type ball or route. Just it was just capped by the end zone. It was the same type throw that he made an interce- had an interception on the week before. He just threw it, made a made he made the right read, but just made a bad throw. <clears throat> and this and this week was a it was a phenomenal throw and a clutch a clutch conversion to the first down. So, you know, I I think there are going to be and they are a lot of opportunities at this point for TJ to continue to improve. What I what I don't want to see is him getting frustrated or him being a little bit you know, China Dollish, with the insertion of, of Ashford and the plays that he's able to make, because what that what that is going to do is it's going to create you and I talking about it. Right. It's going to create people saying Robbie should be doing this and Robbie should be doing that. It, it magnifies every mistake each other makes. <clears throat> they have to be bulletproof in that and have ultimate confidence in what they can do and know that they're contributing to a win period but i i will say this that it's not all <clears throat> it's not all on TJ and Robbie if they expect the production to improve that has to be in concert with the improvement of all of the skill positions and all of those guys creating explosive plays in the passing game at at the tight end position, at the receiver position, you know, a couple of things is that if you look back at the at the line on Saturday, I can't remember at what point it was, but there were either zero or single digit receptions by anyone at the receiver position until you know late into the ball game. Right. Either Tank, Jarquez, or Damari were having the receptions. They were all check downs. Right. Yeah. That can be that can be attributed to a couple of different things. One, the receivers just aren't getting open and, and there needs to be vast improvement there. That number is two, yeah. n- number two. TJ might not have his eyes downfield. You know, he, he may be at the point where he's still looking, you know, looking too much at at his feet. He's too worried about about pressure. And based on last year's performance of the offensive line, I don't blame him, you know, but it's a new year, new day. So there, I I think, I hope that I do believe that TJ's best days are ahead of him. I think Robbie's best days are ahead of him, but there's a lot of chips that have to fall in order for that to happen, that truly they don't necessarily control. They've got to have playmakers you know, come to the surface at their skill positions. Tank and, Jarquez, Tank and Jarquez, no doubt in my mind, they're 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 dudes. I mean, they they look different now. I mean, they are they they look the part. Damari Austin looks great as a true freshman, but at some point they got to put the ball in the air and make plays. And you know, right now it it just it. I just I don't have a good sense. I'm not saying they're not there, but I don't have a good sense who that guy is, who that go to person is where TJ can look at him and say, hey, come hell or high water, get open. I'm coming to you because we got to have this first down. And and at some point, every successful football team has that level connection.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think you're right on that. I think that's probably not being talked about enough. Um, in the general sense, I, I would guess um, is that uh, we're getting caught up in in the quarterbacks and specifically them and their play, and and that's 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 fine. Um, but I do think the receivers to this point, there's still something lacking there. And we we kind of look, they were kind of a question mark going in. I mean, we didn't know exactly what that group would look like, and so far through two games, it's it's you know it's about yeah, you know, it's kind of about what we thought. I mean, there's yeah. just not a there's not a, a legitimate playmaker. There's not a lot of separation. Now you have a couple of guys, Javaris Johnson and Tavarros Dawson, that have got the speed um to 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 separate. And and I think Auburn's gonna have to lean more on those guys um to, to create room. Um and so yeah, it's not it's not all on the quarterbacks. It's for sure not all on the quarterbacks. Um, those guys are going to have to step up and and, 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 and play well. Um, The one positive, I'll say this about what I saw from the quarterbacks, is as bad as that first quarter was, and it was – I mean, it was three – we had two picks, and uh, we had two picks and two completions, I think, in the first quarter between them. Um, As bad as it was, I'm wondering – TJ played pretty well the last three quarters – All in all, um, Robbie, you know, had a couple of good runs. Um, You know, if they can sort of figure out and be comfortable in what the rotation and the roles will be. You know, I I think, in other words, when Robbie, from what I understand, Robbie got more practice reps leading into San Jose State than he did the week before. Um, I would guess TJ didn't love that right? Um, and so now you have another game under your belt where TJ finished strong. And if you're TJ and, and, and you're, to me the, the operation now is the, the operation between how that's going to work is more clear Yeah. for good or bad. Like yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, mm-hmm. the, but I do think there's something to be said about a, a confidence and a comfort in, okay, if you're TJ, you're going, okay, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be the main operator of this offense, like I am. And Robbie's gonna come off the bench and he's gonna be a part of the game plan. But I think given how TJ finished that game off, maybe he can take something with him, and maybe that coaching staff can instill in him, hey, here's the deal, TJ, you're gonna be the main operator. Robbie's gonna play and he's gonna come off, but don't lose faith in you're gonna be the main operator because I think what you saw last week is Robbie's not ready. He's just not. He's not. He, I mean, he could have thrown another interception on the out route. Was, he rolled out, was way behind, way high um, on a throw to Javaris Johnson. He, he's not there as a passer. So, you know, that's at least one element of this that I'm curious to see if it can translate into Penn State is if those guys are a little more comfortable in what their role is going to be. Because Robbie, I mean, after week one, Robbie's sitting there thinking, maybe I can be the guy. And yeah. TJ's going, am I going to be the guy? And well, I think, cleared, I think that got cleared up a little bit Saturday. So if they can take something into the Penn State game of here's the deal. You're the main operator. You're going to play, Robbie. That's the deal. Compliment each other. Can that elevate them Them both?
1: And and I, I totally agree with that, Hope. And there's a lot to that that the coaches have to take on themselves in communication to the kids. Yes. Right. They they someone needs to sit these two men down and say guys here's where we are as an offense and here's where we're going as an offense and this is how your role in this situation plays out. Just like you had said T.J. and that and and that's if the coaches feel this way right but T.J. you're the guy you're 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 the alpha male in the scenario, you're the lead operator, you're our starting quarterback, but let's just call a spade a spade son there There are parts of Robbie Ashford's game that he brings to this offense that you physically just can't do, just like there are parts of of your game that Robbie cannot do now. You know, if we could take it and melt you both together, we'd have a hell of a quarterback. But right now, we we don't have that. So do not look at this as if you are constantly on audition. We are putting you in this role, the roles that we have designed and designated for you within this offense, so that it helps us win football games. And I, I hate that I'm doing this, but if you look right now at the performance of Stetson Bennett, in Athens, I'm, I promise you that you can watch him play football right now in the first two games of the season. Someone has sat him down in the offseason and said, Stetson Bennett, you're our starting quarterback. Your job is in no way in jeopardy. You don't have anything to worry about. Go out and, and do you, son. He has not had that conversation in years past. Yeah. He's that what you don't want. You want there to be a, a healthy level of competition at the quarterback position. You want the kids to feel as if, hey, I've got to perform. I've got to deliver. But you also don't want them focused on what's over their shoulder. You don't want them focused on what's on the sideline. To, to cannibalize them in the situation they're in, they need to be focused on the other eleven on the other side of the ball and if and and, they, and, and with as athletic and as dominating as SEC defenses are, they need a hundred percent of that focus being pointed in that direction so i i I hope that if that is the if that is the position of of this offensive staff and Brian Harson. And, it, and it's based on the first two weeks of performance, and, and this is where they are, you know, kind of what their philosophy is going to be going forward at the quarterback position. Somebody needs to tell the kids. Somebody needs to sit them down, talk to them, hey, this is what we're doing. Th- this is not to create animosity. This is not to create problems in the locker room. This is not to create, uh, you know, hesitancy on your part. Your jobs and your roles in this offense aren't, aren't in jeopardy but this is what your role is go do it yeah. and there's there is a level of maturity there that's going to require the two young men to not pay attention to the Ben Leards and the Justin Hokanson's and the Paul Feinbaum's of the world that talk about oh he he threw a pick you know maybe it's time to give Ashford a, a few more snaps or or where's where's that calzada in all of this you know that's you know stay the course if they if they just focus on their little bubble and and stay the course i i do think that there is ample opportunity for success and and, and you know the the deck is stacked and everyone in their favor to be able to do so but it's going to take some things falling in place
0: yeah i'm curious i, I may try to ask um, you know, we we speak to Coach Harson every Monday for his press conference, and I just I think that would be interesting to hear his thoughts on wh- when does it transition from, you know, when does it transition from we want to ride the hot hand to having hey this is how it's this is more how it needs to operate, and we can't you throw a pick okay now that guy's got to come in and. I, mean, I think you've got enough data on who these guys are right now, and I think San Jose State was a was a good indicator of that, of a main operator and a complement. So I'm I'm curious to see what that looks like against Penn State. Now, the hope is offensively, we can only hope because we're not in we're not in the film room, is that they've been really vanilla on offense and they oh, yeah basic passing concepts and I think they have I've seen some similar things. I hope. I hope games. that.
1: I hope that defensively too.
0: Right, and I think. I think probably both ways. I haven't seen a lot yeah. of. blitzing. there hasn't been a lot. It's been you know pretty straight up, um, and, I, and there's going to be some of that. You're you're definitely saving stuff up for Penn State, but I think just overall it's been just kind of a ho hum first couple of games and something that's sort of transitioning off the quarterbacks that stood out to me through two games is. Obviously, the turnovers now. I mean, just for just for the record, Auburn's down minus four turnover margin through two games. I think that puts them 92nd in the country. They forced none against two non-conference teams. You force no turnovers. Now, again, maybe that's lack of blitzing. Hey, we're just going to play straight up. We're going to play some man. Play it pretty simple. We're not going to show a lot. We're not going to try to wreak havoc because there's a lot of exotic stuff we could do. We're not going to do that, but. That's probably the outside of the quarterbacks, that's probably the next thing I'm looking at is penalties and turnovers because this team needs those things to take advantage. They they yeah. can't go through last year's team was um was twelve turnovers and they they forced twelve and they committed twelve. They're they're zero zero margin. Um and then now they're minus four. Like this team in in the way things are going, they can't operate like that. They need to be on the plus side, especially offensively Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. To create short fields or create opportunities. I mean, this is not an offense that can just take over at the 18 and just sit here and drive and get points. So that's probably the other thing that I'm looking at that we talk about it's not all in the quarterbacks. That's ways that the defense can help right there is force a turnover, force a three and out earlier in the drive. Um, that's probably the other thing that so far has been a little concerning. Defense has been fine, but the lack of turnovers, the lack of pressure on balls in the air from the secondary, uh, tackles for loss. I mean, I think they've got nine through two games. That puts them well down in the rankings. Um, and you've got Hall and Leota and Colby Wood, and you've got these guys. So that's probably outside of the quarterbacks. The other thing that I'm kind of looking at with a curious eye is defensively, where is the – where's the aggression where's the ability to really to really disrupt which i think the front has an opportunity to do you agree
1: no i i totally agree i i totally agree on the you know one that this is a football team that that is somewhat their success is somewhat reliant on their ability to create explosive opportunities offensively and defensively they you know, they're they're not a at this point in the season, they're not a dominant enough roster that can just impose themselves on anyone at any point in time. They're, they're, they're just not. They're, they're going to get there. I, I truly believe in in Harson's you know, in his in his vision that they're going to get there. But right now, today, they are they are very much reliant on everybody on the roster that that they need they need everybody you know pulling the rope in the same direction. Um defensively I you know I my hope in and thinking back especially against San Jose State, man, San Jose State, I was so tired of watching them run a motion to the field, leave a single set receiver into the boundary, and throw the damn slant route. It was, I, you know, and again, I'm like, all right, somebody's either, either, either they're not overly concerned with that. It's a vanilla uh, defensive set. It is what it is. Somebody, please put the corner on, on inside leverage, have him bear down just a little bit more slightly in his in his press, or how about this? How about have a linebacker take take two steps out one step max and it and it minimizes that window and you put a lot more pressure on the quarterback to be, the, be able to deliver the football with that level of accuracy yeah those, those type things were frustrating me just a little bitty in adaptations that that the defense was not doing on saturday against san jose state and again not having headphones on and not being in the meeting rooms and not being on the sidelines, I feel confident that guys like Zach Etheridge and th- those dudes, they they knew what was coming, they knew what was going on, and they were just, you know, they were they were riding the wave and hoping to survive. And it was yep. just a little bit more, you know, it caused everybody to pucker up just a little bit more than we wanted to. But I I do believe that. That there are some things, especially defensively, I do believe there are some things defensively they have not dialed up. I okay. I, think, I want to think that they've got some things saved or reserved for pen for this run for Penn State, Missouri, and LSU. Because mind mind you, the coaches know how vital this five game homestand is. Yeah. To that, not not only let's 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 go ahead and say it. Not only to the team's success but to their ability to stay on campus as a coaching staff. I mean, that's, that is what it is, because we all know how brutal the second half of this football season is in the month, especially in the month of October. Man, it is, it's tough, dude. So they need to, they, they, they are, I'm hopeful that there are some things that they've got withheld that they're ready to dial up. There, there's no question marks in my mind. On the defensive personnel, I think Auburn's defense is, is, is pretty dang salty. I, I really, really do. They've just got to identify the guys outside of Colby Wooden, outside of Derek Hall, you know, outside of Leota, guys that have that have played the snaps. And, you know, how how good is Jason Jones? You know, how how good is Jeffrey Emba? You know, um, how much can Keontae Scott? contribute. What about DJ, you know, those guys that that are, are transfer guys, new incomers that have the talent to compete at the highest level? Let's let's see what they do when, you know, when the big dogs come in. And yeah. and they're going to have the opportunity to do it, and I based on based on conversations with with some of these coaches and you know some of the kids, I I truly think that they have they have the tools to be able to contribute at a very, very high level, just like their teammates in Derek Hall and Colby Wooden and, and, and Leota as
0: well. Yeah, um, all right, hey, real quick, before we transition to some thoughts on Penn State, um, I, I, see your, uh, I see your name's not down there, instead it says On to Victory. Um, so we we talked about On to Victory, the, the, the main Auburn NIL collective um, we've reported on that a good bit at albertlog.com. We actually reported last week that they broke the $10 million mark um, in terms of donations. They're working on major gifts, um, and we we talked about that a little bit. But I see on the victory on your thing, real quick. I know you're you're you've obviously spoken with them, and and, and you're you know the importance of what they're trying to do. Um, we've seen ads on on the video board in Turner Air Stadium, um, which has been big. But but real quick, talk about what you know about the progress they've made? Why, 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 why it's important from from your perspective? Because I think fans are finally starting to, to understand a little bit, but man, there's still I think I think a big disconnect between the the normal fan and what, NI, what Auburn nil is. What, what I'm sorry, what what uh, on the victory is and how it can help.
1: Well, <clears throat> I think that you know from from my perspective and and the the development of of owned or victory is it one it's it was necessary it was uh truly a lifesaver when it comes down to auburn athletics in my opinion it is you know when in it is the only auburn nil collective which historically that's been one of auburn's biggest problems is is there's they've been so segmented that it is really watered down the ability for a a a strategic plan to be effective you've had this faction over here this faction over here and and you know it's just very very little moving in the same direction the to victory being the only auburn nil collective i think i believe gives auburn one stream of nil Ability and funds to support Auburn athletics and they have done <clears throat> they've done a tremendous job being led now by Brett Whiteside to kind of circle the wagons <clears throat> and tell people hey this is this is what we are doing this is what we're poised and ready to do and this is what we are going to do in favor of Auburn's student athletes that is an as a huge victory. Yeah. So for those kids to to benefit those those young men and women while they are on campus and enrolled and, and and contributing to our beloved university, I think it's a it's a huge benefit. And you're right, man. There's so many unanswered questions because this is a, this is uncharted territory. We're we're right. only yeah. If you think about it in in perspective of football seasons, you're only in your second season. Of something that is absolutely groundbreaking, yeah. And then, you know, in my opinion, should have been done a long time ago. I wish, I wish it was. I wish it was around when when Rob and I were playing. But um, you know, there there is an opportunity to benefit these young men and women and do some things for them in contrast for an exchange. For their name, image and likeness and and really give them the opportunity to capitalize on, you know, on the success that they have while while performing their talents and expertise for our beloved university. And I'm, I'm excited to support it. I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited to, to speak on it, uh, answer questions about it, but it is a, you know, it, it. there's a website at this point called on the The folks that have come to the game have probably noticed there's a, you know, they'll, they'll run an ad on the jumbotron where a couple of the guys are talking about the benefits of On To victory. And I just urge everyone to ask, ask all the questions you have, ask as many questions as you have, regardless if you're someone that is a, you know, is a hundred dollar a year person, you know, it doesn't matter. Everything that is there, it is designated to support these student athletes male and or male and female and I, I think as as an auburn family this gives us the ability to collectively come together as one and, and do something that allows auburn to keep keep up with the pace that is nil and name image and likeness
0: yeah it'll be interesting we we will have brett whiteside we'll um We'll probably get him on the message boards at some point at auburnod.com maybe do a Q&A, um as they try to ramp this thing up i think the, the next right now that at the stage we, we we reported on it last week that they're in kind of a major gifts campaign now and that they've raised about they've raised over 10 million dollars they've surpassed that mark um and the next phase really is developing a website developing a subscription model and incorporating the everyday fan um that's just that that's a little more detail oriented and that takes a little more time to create the right process and everything in place so that if 10,000 people went to a website right now and started to try to sign up and give, are you ready for that? Like right. there's a lot of little things that go into
1: that. And there's, there's, you know, just like you had said, they're in that major gift push at this point. Obviously they, it was a pretty short period of time that they were able to collect the 10 million plus. Um, and, and that, uh, That's a level of gift that they know that it's going to be, a um, you know, you need that consistently year over year in order for you to be able to to successfully fund the name, image, and likeness collective, you know, on an annual basis. And they do have the vision and and they're definitely going to move in the direction of opening and opening it up to contributions that are, again, that are much smaller than what we would have from a major gift perspective. And quite frankly, that's that's more the the 95 percent of any fan base. Right. It, you know, you're or 99 percent for that matter, that those are the people that are going to go in and, and you know, give 100 bucks to the collective or give 250 bucks to the collective. But you take that and you multiply that times. The number of fans that you have in that fan base, those are dollar figures that that move the needle. But they have to have the infrastructure prepared for that, because what you what you would have happened right now, if you just open it up to the masses, the casual fan that's a little bit on the fence is going to go in just like you and I do. You, you hit a glitch in the system. You get frustrated enough to say, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm going to go fix my coffee and go about my day yeah. and months go by and you're just you're none the wiser. So they need it. They need to make sure that the infrastructure is is built up in order to minimize any frustration from a flow of flow perspective. And I think Brett and his team are are working towards that and, and have done a tremendous job thus far. But again, there's a lot more rows to be hoed at this point, and and they're they're moving in the right direction. I I think the, you know, I truly think that the 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 light at the end of the tunnel is big and bright, and it will it will ultimately lead to major success in the athletic department.
0: Yeah, so go to ontovictory.com. I think that's the that's the website, and um, you can learn a little bit about them. I think they have the board on there. You can learn who the board uh, the board members are, the seven board members. You can kind of learn a little bit about how they're gonna operate things like that before you can learn a little bit about them now before you, you know, before they yeah. kind of get into the point of whether you want to be a contributor and all that. Um and so and then I think we still have you go to AuburnLive.com and go to our uh, football news feed and go back just into last week. I mean, just go back a page or two, there's an NIL story that talks a little bit about kind of where they're at. Um all right, before you get out of here, Penn State, a couple of thoughts on Penn State. Um I, I'm still like I'm still fairly optimistic about Auburn's opportunity. After watching the San Jose State game, Penn State's coming into town, I think they're ranked 22, 23 in the polls. Um, I still think Auburn is in a really good position to win this football game. Penn State's a very similar team as they were last year. Sean Clifford's back. You don't have Yuan Dodson, um, but you've got talented guys. They've got a five star freshman running back, Noah Singleton, that that will be interesting to see how good he is, um, defensively good players. you got a defensive tackle, P.J. Mustapher, who's really, really good. And then you've got, um, dang it, I can't remember his name at corner, who's back. Uh, his dad played in the NFL. Um, and he's slipping my mind right now. But they've got, they've, they've got some good players. But I think Auburn enters this game. Clearly they held some things back. We know they did. Now they've got to execute those things. Those things have to work. They're going to bust some, some new things out against Penn State. You've got to execute. Um at home should be a great environment. Um I think they'll probably will be able to learn a lot from last year's game. I think about last year's game, Sean Clifford was like twenty eight of thirty two. It was insane. Uh, the auburns the, the the plan to defend um that that defense was 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 kind of crazy, right? That was like the first game where I was like, so Derek Mason's just gonna we're just gonna play back. Yeah. We're just gonna play back mm-hmm. and so I think there's a lot to learn from that that won't happen again. Um, and I just think Auburn's in a decent position to create a game plan here and win the game, assuming they execute some of the new things correctly and assuming T.J. builds, builds off some confidence. What are your thoughts heading into this this game against a top 25 um, Penn State team with a really experienced quarterback? You're not going to rattle him, that's that's for sure.
1: I, You know, Sean Clifford's a kid that, in my opinion, flies below the radar quite a bit, but he, he has the resume to, to put himself up there in consideration as, as, you know, one of, one of the top tier quarterbacks in the country from a consistency perspective. I mean, the, the kid can play ball. Um, like you said, you, you can't rattle him. He's going to sit in the pocket and make his plays and do his things and, um, and be successful and, and be competitive and put his team in position to win ball ballgames. Yeah. Um, I, Man, I am excited about what the atmosphere is gonna be like.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: just just like it was last season where I truly think playing in Happy Valley aided Penn State tremendously in that game.
0: Crazy, yeah. I
1: I think it's the converse of that. I think Auburn, you know, Jordan Hare is a is a magical place. It's gonna it is going to help propel Auburn at least at least to a neutral position or even a plus position and the guys are just going to go out you have to go out and make plays there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding surrounding penn state from you know i think in the in the back you know in the in the back half of their defense in the back seven from a linebacker and secondary perspective with the exception of one of one field corner um so there there's the opportunity there for to test them But when you look at strength on strength, I think it's a scenario of how well will Auburn's front seven be able to play and how how much will they be able to pressure Clifford? Because Penn State's offensive line, their ability to run the football play action pass is a strength of Clifford in the in the Penn State offense. So how well can they execute those things and how well can they do so inside Jordan hair? I agree with you. That there is there is just as many questions surrounding Penn State at this point. I would think if you asked some of their fans, as to really how how good are you, where are your strengths, where are your weaknesses, just as there are around us questioning where Auburn is, you know, uh, at this point, two games in the season. So there's going to be a lot of levels, and a, a, you know, a lot of a lot of the onion gets peeled back on Saturday for both sides of the. Both sides of the field uh, for both rosters, but it's going to be a great game. It's going to be it's going to be super physical. I mean, it's going to be super super physical. It's going to be very similar, I think, to what Auburn fans would probably visualize. If you're going to compare it to a game, I think you look at it to one of those old school LSU matchups.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Athletes all over the field, but it's still the game's not going to leave the trenches maybe an Arkansas type matchup. Big guys getting after it, just that top style of football. So it will <clears throat> it will be interesting to say the least. But I I'm like you. I think if Auburn just stays the course, they stay within themselves and and you know don't do things that put them in a in a bind per se and and have themselves to be digging out of a hole. I, I think they will come out of the game victorious and really get a huge, you know, punch in the arm leading into the first SEC matchups, you know, the next two weeks.
0: Yeah. And uh, Joey Porter Jr. is who I was trying to think of. Um, he's – he was on their team last year. He's 6'2", 200-pound corner, freak athlete, going to play in the NFL. He he's a really talented player. So probably don't go his way a, a whole lot if you're, if you're Auburn um, – but he'll he'll be more on the outside receivers, so that's why I think somebody Dawson and yeah. Johnson plays. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be. I, I agree with you. It? It's going to be a physical game. Auburn's going to have to obviously run the football, which they're going to have to do every game. Um, it's a game that I predicted. So before the season started, I thought that I predicted Auburn would win this game by double digits. Um, I don't know if I'd make that prediction now. Penn State's a three-point favorite. I, but I do still feel the same. Like I said, I still I do still feel like there's some things that Auburn has in their favor going into this game. I also didn't think they'd struggle against San Jose State. So I, I thought they would take a lot of that offseason momentum of being the underdog into this game. And I think they still are to some degree, but the San Jose State game was, was a little bit of a hiccup. I mean, that wasn't really a – that wasn't very smooth, if you will. Um, and so – I do. I, st- I still think they're going to take a lot of that underdog mentality, and all season training and stuff, into this game, and I think that will help them bring some new scheming things that'll help them. The crowd will help them. Um, so there's still some things that I like in Auburn's favor here to to pull this game off, but they yeah. got to go out and execute. And again, it, it's just going to be a revealing game, and we kind of knew that Mercer and San Jose State, Auburn won them, but that that's not the level of competition they're going to play. Penn State's a different thing, so. You know, it's going to be a really revealing game. I hate to sound like Steve Sarkeesian because you want to win. But, like, there is an element of it's, it's not a terrible thing to have this game before SEC. You're going to learn a lot before you've got to chalk up something in the, in the conference. Um, so that's, that's not terrible. Worst case scenario, right, they lose the game if they can take something out of it and then go into the SEC play where you're still 0-0, zero um that's not the it's not the worst thing so there's a lot of there's a lot of positives going into this game but it's going to be revealing one way or another I mean either the quarterback situation is going to continue to evolve in a good way or it's going to expose it for what it is um you know which which could be really bad it's going to one of those two things I think that's probably the biggest thing we're going to learn Auburn's defense is going to be fine but yeah we're going to learn if this quarterback system is is it evolving in the right direction or is Penn State just going to expose the weaknesses and the struggles of trying to balance these guys and it's going to expose the passing game and you're going to go, this offense can't. This offense isn't, can't beat Mississippi State. They can't beat Arkansas. They can't beat Ole Miss. They can't beat Georgia. They can't beat Alabama. Like, or is this offense going to start to show signs of, if they need to, could they go get 30? I, you know, I, I, right now, against a good team, that's hard for me to say that they would. Yeah can they show signs that they will, you know, I agree. I agree. And I,
1: I think it's a, I think ultimately at this particular game is a scenario that, you know, Penn state's defense is going to be very similar to Auburn's that they are, they're stingy. Um, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a tough witted, you know, group. They're very hard nosed, blue collar type attitude. And that's just, that's just Penn state's mentality. It's always been that way. And that, you know, what I would caution everyone as you watch this ball game don't grow frustrated with a 21 to 17 game don't get frustrated with multiple three and outs because I think you're going to see that from both sides I think you're going to see a defensive ball game that is a kind of hat you know I think Penn State both Penn State and Auburn are going to come into the game with the mindset that <clears throat> On a third and one, they're going to punt. You know, they're going to they're going to play the field position battle because Penn State, number one, isn't ultimately confident that Auburn can drive the football and and they're going to just, you know, they're going to have some, you know, back and forth that they ultimately win the field position battle. And Auburn's going to do the same because they don't know really how good Penn State is offensively as a whole. You know, they're all all 11 guys. So what I would caution everyone and, and urge them not to do is grow frustrated with kind of that nickel and dime, you know, crawl type offense in this particular game. You very well may see a game come out 17 to 14. 17 to, 10, 17 to 10, you know, you just, you just don't know, but I don't think, I don't think I would be very surprised if you see either team scoring in the high twenties or thirties, um, you okay. know, in this particular ball game.
0: I agree. I was trying to think what was it? 27, 21 last year. Yeah. Was that, was that, was that it?
1: Uh, yeah. I'm almost positive. It was somewhere around in there. Cause Auburn, you know, they're leading into the game. They had, you know, had that last, you know, somewhat last drive to put them in position to win. Twenty-eight twenty,
0: twenty-eight twenty. Um, yeah, because it was twenty-eight seventeen. I think Auburn made it twenty-eight twenty, and then they were gonna have to score and get a two points to twenty. Yeah. yeah. So I would agree. I mean, it's gonna be somewhere. It's gonna be somewhere in there. Um, in the twenties. I don't think anybody gets to thirty. That would be a little surprising. I think. Yeah. Um, well, it's a big game, man. I was just thinking, it's 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 one. I was actually thinking last night uh, of of non conference games in Jordan. hare I mean, in terms of clout of the program coming in, it's the biggest. In in in, the, in that regard, it's the biggest since USC in '03. In terms of the type of program coming in, you've had some pretty cool games. West Virginia in 2009. Syracuse came to town in 2002. Um, you know, you've had, yeah, Kansas, Kansas State's been here. Um, Georgia Tech's been, been to Auburn in, in 03 as, or no, in 0, I'm sorry, in 07 was Georgia Tech, 07, I think, or 05. Shit, I can't remember. When did Georgia Tech, Reggie Ball came in there and and beat Auburn? I think it was 05. It was, it was. They didn't play in 04. I think it was 05. It was, it was was 05. It was Brandon Cox's first, um.
1: Yeah, you know, first season as a starter.
0: Yeah, so there have been some interesting non-conference games, but, I mean, in terms of the type of program, like, I mean, a, a traditional powerhouse, a cool helmet game, Penn State coming in, it's going to be really neat. It's going to be neat yeah. to see Penn State and that that program, that, that uniform, that helmet on the field in Jordan-Hare the same way it was really cool to see Auburn playing, you know, at Penn State and Beaver Stadium last year. It's just a – it's one of those games if you grew up in the NCAA football era – you would yeah. play it. You would play those games. Like, well, we're never gonna see it in real life. So, like, let's yeah. play Auburn at Notre Dame. Um, so that'll be cool. That'll be cool just to see Penn State on the field. And and um, man, it'd be. I mean, you're talking about for Harson right now. His signature win is Ole Miss last year. Ole Miss was 10th in the country. You beat them at home. That's that's his signature win. I mean, LSU on the road was big, but th- but that 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 wasn't as good of a football team. It's big for historical reasons. Um, but this would be a big one. I mean, this would be in terms of a signature win, given the circumstances of everything that's going on. Probably his, probably his biggest win of his career to this point. At, at certainly at Auburn, not, yeah. not his full career, but at Auburn, this would be, I think, bigger than the Ole Miss game because of. I just think the circumstances, new season. Last year they were five and two. I think, you know, they lose to Ole Miss. Okay, they're five and three. But you're five and two at that point. This seems two and zero oh, hasn't shown a lot. Yeah. Like, this would be a massive, massive win. Well, it's
1: it's it's this, right? I mean, it's, yeah. In, in my opinion, this is a aside from all of the other white noise that that's out there. This is a big game within itself. Yeah. But when it is especially big, when you look at it from a developmental standpoint and and a momentum standpoint, that man, they hope they win this game. They pull this one off. The momentum carries itself you know what what you and I would truly believe is a w against Missouri, and then you find yourself at four and o hosting you know one of your main s e c rivals in l s u come into town and have the opportunity to start out five and o that is there there's a lot there's a lot riding on this game in against Penn State, just you know even within, you know, within the game itself. But on the outside, it will, uh, you know, the the pressure will bust the pipes. And and hopefully the kids will find a way to get a a victory against Penn State. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be off to the races at that point,
0: I believe. Yeah. Can't wait. Saturday, 2.30 on CBS, Auburn and Penn State. Uh, SEC Nation is going to be there. And so it'll be a. Should be the first big recruiting weekend for Auburn. A lot of a lot of kids will be on on campus. Um, good players that they're recruiting. So basketball will probably have a couple kids too. So big big weekend. Really kind of the start of, I think the official start. Preseason's over. No disrespect to Mercer and San Jose State. Even though San Jose State gave Auburn trouble, um, that was that was preseason to some degree. And, and the season starts now. The season starts now. Brian Brian Arson's immediate future, like the trajectory of that starts now. I mean, we're we're in it now. So. Um, all right, man. Thanks for joining us. I guess we'll do it again next week and uh, be breaking down a, a big time football game. And um, a lot of a lot of ramifications are going to come from this one. There's yep. no doubt. You know, this game, this
1: game is going to tell everybody a lot. It's going to tell everybody a lot about the roster, going to tell everybody about a lot about the team. Um, it's going to answer a ton of questions, either either good or bad. Um, I think yeah. you walk walk away from this game either super excited, or with even more questions. But you know, obviously, you and I both are, you know, glass half full. So we're hoping that hoping that there's a lot more excitement than questions when we, when when you leave the stadium Saturday night.
0: Yeah, you gonna be there?
1: Yes, I will. Yeah. I will. I will absolutely be there.
0: Yeah, you're a busy man. You know, I never know.
1: Well, hey, know where you gonna be? When it, comes to, when it comes to big games in Jordan-Hare, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all in.
0: There you go. All right, Ben, appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining right, us.
1: Thanks, buddy. War
0: Eagle. All right, we'll do it again next week. Thanks for everybody joining us. AuburnLive.com, go subscribe. Seven-day free trial, as always. Never a better week to do it than now. A lot of Penn State coverage, recruiting coverage. It's going to be a big week. AuburnLive.com. This is the Auburn Live show. We'll see you next time.